Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. Imagine if someone is looking for you, and they have to take you back where you don't want to go. And they are searching and they are looking and they are taking some people whereby you say, like, what life am I living? I'm AC Rowe. This is The Doc Project. And that is LACA. My name is Gurimuye Muyoro. Should I spell it? Mm-hmm. Oh, first name is uh, N-G-U-R-I-M-U-J-E. Last name is M-U-J-O-R-O. And people call you Laka? Yes. The journalist she's talking to is Tandy Wakengwavi from CBC Edmonton. They're speaking in a small, nondescript apartment in Fort McMurray, Alberta. But Laka's story doesn't start there. I was born in Namibia. I was born in Shinene. It's a village. I was born in 1991, February the 12th. Growing up in Oshinene, as I lived, uh, there was years that I could say it was fun. And then why do you say that it wasn't fun anymore? What happened? While I was in school, it happened that I get pregnant. Laka was a teenager. The pregnancy, it changed how her family saw her, how they supported her. In many ways... It ended the future she always thought she'd have. So she built a new one in Canada. One that now, a decade later, she's doing everything she can to protect, even if it means breaking the law. What if they come and knock at my door? That's the fear that I fear. We're going to follow Laka's journey, 10 years and an ocean away from where she started. Try to understand what happened, why, and... What, if anything, would have made a difference? We'll start with teenaged Laka in Namibia. Tandy Way will take it from here. Laka was 18 years old when she discovered she was pregnant. Her parents, they were not happy when she broke the news. My parents, like, it was a shame thing for me to be in the family because I was young and then... I have brought shameless in the family, so they ended up uh, kind of like forcing me to marry that boyfriend of mine, and we were so young. Even the, the boyfriend of mine, he couldn't understand, how could I marry you? He didn't want to marry me. My boyfriend refused, so meaning that after that, my parents, they were saying like, then you can't stay with us because now you you gave birth, meaning you should just be on your own and all this stuff. You should just provide for yourself. Laka was barely 19 when she gave birth to her son, Kuvi. She nursed him, fell in love with him, and they bonded for a year. After that, she was forced to move out. 
Her parents kept her baby, but Laka wasn't allowed to live with them anymore. She wasn't even allowed to visit. I was not even having a place to stay, so it was all about friends. Today is this friend, tomorrow is this friend. And then um, even when I wanted to call my boyfriend, he said, like, I got nothing to do with you anymore. Laka moved from one friend's place to another. Without an income or family to support her, she was in a difficult place. Something needed to change. It was then that she heard of a way out, a potential solution to all her problems. Canada. I had a story that people, they are going out of Canada. You can claim there and then you're going to start a new life because this is a big world. So because I was a child and that time I was not even having money, I was trying to find every way for me to get money so that I can come. I went to my mom and then I tell her that I know that I can't come back home, but can you please help me with this such amount? Laka's family raised cattle. When she was a child, her parents had given her some for her future. Now, her mother said Laka could sell those cattle and use the money to leave. By that time we sold um, how many cattles? Uh, maybe it was 10 of them. And then I raised like Namibian dollars, 25000 For the price of 10 cows, Laka bought her plane ticket to Canada with money to spare. She then traveled alone more than 200 kilometers to the airport in Windhoek the furthest she had ever been from home. When she boarded the plane, she finally felt she was putting her troubles behind her. I just feel good since I get on the flight. There was peace, you know. I I was knowing that I'm going somewhere whereby I will rest. Where I used to be, there was no home. So meaning like me going where I don't know, I feel that's going to be my home. Lacker arrived in Toronto in April 2011. She applied immediately for asylum and was awarded a work permit pending approval of her refugee claim. She settled down to wait and started building her new life here. And things got off to a great start. I met my husband in Toronto. Uh, there was a soccer game. Uh, actually, we used to have a lot of tournament in every weekend. And then he was a good player, so we ended up saying, like, how oh, he's cute. And then I know, luckily me, he approached me, so we started there. That soccer player was a man named Bele Kashwande. He was also from Namibia and had also applied for asylum in Canada just a month before Laka. He just uh, say, um... I just saw you and then my heart beat. <laughs> yeah. A year later, they were living together in Belle's rented room in a three-bedroom apartment with other tenants. Laka was just barely making ends meet. She was still waiting for her refugee claim to be processed when she heard about well-paying jobs in Alberta. Laka decided to go and see for herself if there might be work for both her and Belle. So I say, let me just go first and then I will let you know. Laka moved to Fort McMurray. Even after the decline in the oil sector, there was still work to be found. She got a job as a cleaning lady 
then later as a janitor. After she'd been in Alberta for a few months, she got a letter from the Immigration and Refugee Board of Canada. Her hearing had been scheduled. She traveled back to Toronto for it. And how did that go? I think it didn't go well because I'm not having papers, so... The papers Laka is referring to are her supporting documents. Documents that would show evidence of her hardship back in Namibia. Things like being homeless, being ostracized by her family and community. She couldn't provide them because her family back home in Namibia wasn't cooperating with her. They wouldn't help her get the documents she needed. And because of that, Laka says her claim was rejected. And so what did you say to yourself when your refugee claim was rejected? I'm going to fight back. Laka didn't want to return to Namibia, but she was completely unaware of her options. So she did the only thing she could think of. She returned to Fort McMurray and continued working. She still had a valid work permit. Bellet joined Delaka in Fort McMurray, and soon the two had started a family. Uh, Mother was born in 2013, June the 4th. Marvelous, a little boy. I feel so good. Yeah, he's uh, he's a boy who looked like daddy, so I feel so good. And uh, the other thing is that uh, he's so smart. I think he's kind of like too much on the phone, electronical stuff. Maybe he will be engineer, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> then exactly four years later, a baby girl. Juliet was born in 2017, uh, same month, same date like june the fourth again yeah the exact same day yes it's like twins but different year that was a miracle for me like i say really because i couldn't even believe it i say wow the couple got married in march of 2018 unlike laka belly's refugee claim had been successful he had just become a permanent resident now Bele could sponsor Laka to become a permanent resident too, but they couldn't afford the fees, so they didn't apply. They didn't really worry about it. When Laka's work permit had expired, they split duties. Bele went to work, and Laka stayed home to take care of the children. And despite having her refugee claim denied in 2012, until last year, Laka had been able to remain in Canada without difficulty. But that was about to change. In February 2019, an alert went out on a WhatsApp forum for Namibians in Alberta. It warned that the Canada Border Services Agency was in Fort McMurray, going door to door, asking if there were any Namibians there. Namibians who had lost their refugee cases years ago were now being arrested in their homes and at work. When they came for Laka, she was expecting them. So the time they come for me, they knock at the door and there was a, I was uh, 
with kids. I was doing a Bible study with kids. So they knock at the door and then they open. I say, there they are. So like, I was just ready. You know, when you are ready for something, so you are good to go. And what were the kids saying? They were saying, uh, there is police, police in our house. So, but uh, they took me out maybe for the kids not to see everything. But I just went to detention. I slept maybe like 24 hours. And then when I came home, Mother Leslie was keep on asking me like, what happened, mommy? Where were you? And all those stuff. And then, and then I can't lie to my child. So it's better for me to tell them that, no, they have come because they want to take us back to our country where I was being born. So I tell him the truth. Laka was given a removal date for April. It was only then that Bele applied to sponsor Laka to become a permanent resident. Now it was an emergency. The Namibian community in Fort McMurray raised money for the application fees and to hire an immigration lawyer who could take care of the paperwork. There have been times when talking with Laka that I've asked her how things got to this point. How she could stay in Canada for eight years without exhausting all the legal avenues available to her. But Leka was a young mother, with little education or financial means, navigating a complicated system in her second or third language. When her refugee claim was denied, she says she didn't even know she could appeal the ruling. She fell into a depression. She was in denial. So she did nothing rather than draw attention to herself. The application for sponsorship didn't change anything. Laka was still expected at Edmonton Airport on April 25, 2019, for deportation. She also had to make a difficult choice, whether to take her two Canadian-born children with her to Namibia a country they had never known, or leave them in Canada with their father. She finally decided to bring her kids. On the departure date, the family arrived at Edmonton International Airport. They were laden down with bags, just about everything Laka had accumulated in her eight years in Canada. She had nothing in Namibia, so wanted to take what she could. So I was having a lot of luggages. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of different cars trying to take me to the airport, meaning that's why we end up being late. Laka was so late, in fact, that she ended up missing her flight. The CBSA rescheduled her departure for a few weeks later. While waiting for that second flight, Laka reached out to her family back in Namibia. Years had passed without contact. Perhaps old wounds were healed. I, I tried to call my mom and, and tell him the situation over here, that, Mommy, I'm going to come back and all this stuff. And then my, my mom said, okay, but don't forget that you will come and take your, your child, the one that I left home, and then you make sure that you're going to be on your own. And then I say, oh, my God, this thing is not even over yet. After nine years, First thing, imagine I have to go back. My husband is behind. Okay, I'm back in Namibia, and my mom is telling me that I will take another one. It's going to be three kids. I know it's mine. 
but with what money we're going to support ourselves and all of our money that we, we have worked we have spent in canada meaning that we have been here for these years just for nothing and especially me having canadian kids have the, the, this this land is a good land how could they suffer just because of me she couldn't stand leaving her kids behind but she didn't want to take them out of canada so laka made a decision once you receive a removal order you cannot legally remain in the country but despite her deportation order and a flight scheduled back to namibia in may laka decided to stay in canada since then she's been living in hiding in fort mcmurray ac here coming up laka takes tandy way on a tour of her life hiding in plain sight From CBC Podcasts and The Fifth Estate, Brainwashed is a multi-part investigation into the CIA's experiments in mind control. From the Cold War and MKUltra to the so-called War on Terror, we learn about a psychiatrist who used his patients as human guinea pigs and what happens when the military and medicine collide. Listen to Brainwashed on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. I first spoke with Laka when I reached out to the WhatsApp forum for Namibians in Alberta when that alert went out about arrests in Fort McMurray. Lots of people were scared, but Laka was keen to tell her story. Today, Laka's husband lives at a different address so that Laka's whereabouts can't be traced through him. Failure to report for a deportation flight couldn't result in an arrest warrant. Laka is aware of that, so she only goes out when absolutely necessary. A trip to the shops or to her son's primary school could end in her arrest. This whole time, I've been interviewing her in her hiding place, a small, barely decorated apartment in Fort McMurray. Do you ever take Marvelous to school or do you always ask the neighbors who takes him? Yeah, uh, most of the time I ask my neighbor, but few days I I I can try to take Marvelous to school, but uh, when I'm going out, I really have to say, Lord, here I am. Let me just go and come back. I asked Laka to show me the route she takes to school with her son Marvelous. What's that? What were you doing? Okay. Looking, she says. So what do you have to do, like, to be safe in the morning when you're leaving? The first thing that I have to do is that I have to prepare my kids inside and then I open the door and then, um, like, I have to check who's there. And then if I see the road is clear, I walk. Okay. I walk. I open this door and then I came... And usually, because it's early in the morning, so there is a lot of people moving, so you keep on looking who's and who, you know what I'm saying? So cold. 
Okay. Yeah, and then uh, you, we are just walking now. So you are, you are trying because it's usually busy. So when it's that busy, you are trying to shake. Nice. You walk and walk. Laka is constantly looking around her and she walks as quickly as she can without drawing attention to herself. And that time when you are out, oh my God, your mind is somewhere else. You really say, oh my God, help me, not today. Not today, not, not even these people see me today. Sometimes even the, the other parents, they say hi, hi. You don't even say hi because you are just focusing on, uh, you know, keep on checking and, and looking. Do other parents know that you're hiding? No, no. You just thought I'm hiding to protect my kids to have a good life. So I'm not just going to be there saying I am here hiding. Why should I tell my, everyone that I'm hiding, you know? I didn't kill anyone. I didn't steal nothing. It's just that I'm trying to do something good for my kids. That's all. But yeah. being in hiding is taking its toll on Laka. We, you, you might be depressed. It's, it's not an easy thing. I fear that uh, when are those people going to come and catch me? You know? You're putting your hands behind your back? Yeah, that's the fear that I have for now. That they're going to handcuff you? Handcuff me and then uh, it's, I'm, I'm going to be separated again for, with my kids. So, like, the, fear, the most fear thing that I, I fear is that for them to divide us. You know what I'm saying? That's the fear that I fear. What if they come and knock at my door? Imagine if someone is looking for you, my dear, and they have to take you back where you don't want to go. And they are searching and they are looking and they are taking some people whereby you say, like, what life am I living? Am I living my life for, for them? Just my mind to think about of them every day, thinking about them. You, that, that's something that is on your mind always. When you are walking, you don't want even to look behind because you might say they might touch you or they might say, oh, sorry, ma'am, we are looking for you. Mm. So, like, in Canada, it's just that we are just breathing in and breathing out. That's the best way to say And everything is so hard. <laughs> So that's it? Yeah, that's it. So when you come back and then you are in, oh, that you, you, you feel like a little bit safe again. You say, oh, think that I have made this day now. Mm-hmm. How about if, if your ch- children had to go to the hospital, what would you do? I would take my kids and then if that's the day that they have to catch me, I will be ready for it. Can you just start with saying your first and last name and your title? Sure. Uh, So it's Jacqueline Callan, and I'm a spokesperson for the Canada Border Services Agency. The CBSA did not comment on Laka's case specifically, but did address some of her concerns, including her fears of being separated from her children. So CBSA officials are guided by their obligations under the Convention of the Rights of the Child and always consider the best interest of the child before removing someone. 
So if parents of Canadian children must be removed from Canada, then travel of the children can be facilitated to keep the family together. Every effort is made to preserve the family unit. Callan made it clear that just because someone has an application pending, that's not enough to prevent them being deported. I would like to mention that an application for permanent residence on humanitarian and compassionate grounds, similar to spousal sponsorship, does not stay a removal. But she said there are systems, protections in place. The decision to remove someone from Canada is not taken lightly. Our officers, we are responsible for enforcing the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. We are committed to doing so. Prior to removal, individuals may seek leave for judicial review as well as administrative review procedures that assess the potential risk to the person returning to their home country. Essentially, what this means is that the CBSA will not send someone home if they think their life could be endangered. This is followed by the removal of failed refugee claimants and the removal of all other inadmissible persons to maintain the integrity of Canada's immigration system. The review process is thorough. For someone who understands the process and has financial means, this might be straightforward to navigate. But many newcomers, especially would-be refugees like Laka, who come under duress, they struggle with the bureaucracy. So my name is Venomambo Usura. I'm the president of the Namibian Canadian Association. Venomambo Usura's association is trying to help people like Laka, people who don't understand all the options available to them, filling in the gaps between newcomers and the CBSA. I would say it's mainly because our people were undereducated about the legal system and the, the immigration system. So we are trying to educate them now and uh, let them know what's the proper channels and where to go. Laka's removal order is not an isolated case. Usura says he knows of at least 30 Namibian nationals who were detained last year. And he says deportations are putting a strain on the Namibian community in Fort McMurray. The people are scared now, they are afraid now, because some of them are having uh, some cases in progress, but now that they are seeing their brothers and everybody is being arrested, being detained uh, in the workplace and in their homes, everybody is scared. He says people don't even trust his association anymore, worried that they're going to report them to the CBSA. So I've got to rebuild the trust again for them to be able to come and sit down with me and explain to me what's the problem so that I can look for the proper channels and the proper ways to help them out. Leka has that help now, but it may be too late. If the CBSA finds her now, she will be deported to Namibia and will have to wait there while her application is processed. And even then, there are no guarantees that she'll be able to return to Canada. So Leka continues to hide. Even right now as I'm speaking, I, I, I don't have a good life. But I'm, I don't care about the good life. What I care is about for my kids to be free. That doc was produced by Tandy Wakenguavi from CBC Edmonton with Allison Cook. It was edited by me, AC Rowe. 
On our website, you can see a photo of Laka with her two kids, Marvelous and Juliet, in the small apartment where they're hiding. That's at cbc.ca slash docproject. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Kent Hoffman, and me. Our digital producers are Althea Manassin and Tahiat Mahbub. Our senior producer is Julia Poggle. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.